kids think you have to be able to think in different reality streams at the same time. Because you're not just following, you know, it's not just linear thought. It's not A to B to C to D. It's what's the bass player doing? What's the drummer doing? Where's the beat? Where's that, where's that melodic kick that the, the drummer can throw something into or the dancer can, can do that glorious leap into the air because of that, the, the swell in the music there? So you're thinking in all these different levels at the same time and you're processing them all at the same time. They, you know, they, they have such an opinion about some of their students and then all of a sudden, it's that boy that will be the leader of the dance. He'll be in front showing everybody what to do. He'll be what we call our dance captain, so that if anybody has a problem in between sessions, they can go to him. I mean, the, the self-esteem that's engendered by, by the arts and the feeling of can-do is, is amazing. He, he's very blessed to have found Jason. Because people like him don't come a dime a dozen. People like Livia don't just fall off trees. They, they like you got to search long and hard. It's one, one in thousands that you can find someone in a community that's willing to take something like this on and see it through. It's hard to even find the right teachers, let alone someone to say, yeah, I could do this. I can do it. I mean, and then to love the kids and to teach them and to be there through thick and thin when parents <laughs> are going off on us and society is not supporting us in the way that, that we feel that they should. Welcome to Intrinsic, a podcast about the innate value of human beings and the motivation that drives us. I'm your host, Keiko Sono, recording from Socrates, New York. Today's guests come from the world of performance. They are all dedicated performers themselves, but they're also extraordinary community leaders who run organizations that inspire our children and youth and make the Hudson Valley and the Catskills a unique place, reaching artistic energy and cultural diversity. Jason Bowman is a co-founder of Rock Academy in Woodstock, with more than 30 years of experience as a professional musician and a teacher, who has inexhaustible energy and instant connection with young musicians. Rock Academy is a year-round after-school program where students take weekly lessons and attend rehearsals in preparation for shows that take place in various venues around Woodstock. It is astounding for parents to see their children taking up instruments for the first time and seeing them perform familiar rock music on the real stage in just a few months. Livia Vanover is a co-founder of Vanover Caravan based in New Paltz, New York, acclaimed for exploring traditional sources in the creation of original works that appeal to people of all backgrounds. Their performances are a magical blend of spiritual elevation and joy of movement found in every culture. The openness and inclusiveness that they convey are magnet for dancers of all ages and a treasure for the audiences. Drew Andrews is a lifelong dancer and choreographer who has trained in the streets of New York City as well as with various professional choreographers. He is the founder and director of Energy, a hip-hop dance troupe of Center for Creative Education in Kingston. He is known for high-energy dance style and rich, hard-hitting choreography with a focus on hip-hop fusion. 
He's one of the most dedicated mentors in our community, with an unrivaled passion for welfare of children and young adults. When he's not teaching on the dance floor, he's serving free meals for the holidays, leading a dance-a-ton for a cause, or doing whatever to help everyone, especially the underserved members of our community. All right, uh, I'm Jason Bowman, and I run the Rock Academy. We are a performance-based music school, after-school music school. And uh, we are teaching kids how to get on stage, overcome their um, shyness, and overcome whatever difficulties they have. And we get them up and playing uh, at real venues uh, with real lights and real PA and everything, sometimes within three months of picking up the instrument. And it's great. It's very exciting. Yeah, I attest to that. Lift, right. Should I, should I yeah, go? Yeah, go oh, Okay, Okay, so uh, Drew Andrews, the executive director at CCE, the Center for Creative Education, which is arts education. We have, uh, we started with uh, after school programming in arts, uh, making arts accessible, uh, affordable, and equitable for all youth that wouldn't have um, the opportunity to to connect and or express themselves through the art form, the art forms of either creating and playing and performing music, uh, dance, uh, spoken word, um, just anything that has to do with performance and the creation of that performance and and having a a voice in that. Uh, We are, uh, right now, we have kind of pivoted to more of an educational base in the morning where we use arts and academics, uh, helping young people uh, who are struggling with uh, connecting to Wi-Fi and the whole virtual scene. We're helping them and providing a space for young people to access, which the name of the program is Project Access. So we help them to access uh, their teachers, their academics, Wi-Fi, we have uh, technology, computers, and a lot of our kids because they, you know, a lot of kids we work with are underserved. Um, we have food. We have people who uh, care. We're connected to social workers and so on. So we do create a, a space for social emotional uh, learning for our young people in the morning, and we really focus on music and performance in the afternoon. And I think what's what's really key, I think the key to our su- success is that, um, is the collaboration, like working with Livia, working with Jason. Those are some of the highlights, believe it or not, for our kids. They work with each other all the time, but the collaboration working outside of their, the circle of, within their community is uh, really the highlights. Uh, uh, things that they want to do more often, and it really exposes them to different people, different ways of doing things, different performances, and expanding just, you know, their learning, which is what it's all about for all of us. Wonderful. Okay, Livia. So um, I'm co-director of the Vanover Caravan. We're a company of dancers and musicians who draw from the cultures of the world in dance and music and create concerts, collect um, from wherever we're, whatever countries we're going to or any place in the United States and teach and perform. So 
we um, we were established in 1974, and when that's also when we moved up to the Hudson Valley, and we travel all over the world. Although right now we're completely hunkered down here <laughs> in, <laughs> in the U.S. Uh, in Rosendale, New York, and and um, and using you know pivoting to virtual learning mostly, except for we're also teaching classes, our after school and summer program have been outdoors on uh, a very big platform, big space at Stone Mountain Farm in um, New Paltz. And we, you know, we have our after, we have like three different buckets in our company, our after school and summer program are for the, um, the kids who actually grow up with us starting at age four until teens, and then they're off in the world. Uh, we have our professional company who do, we do festivals and theaters, all kinds of performances from Americana, dance and music, a lot of rhythmic stuff, rhythmic based dance. And that, that com our company, our professional company is made up of people from all over the world who've come to make the U.S. Uh, their home. And then we work in the schools, which is a major part of our work. Um, we integrate world dance with social studies and language arts curriculum and work with the classroom teachers and special area teachers to create festivals where we bring alive their academic curriculum through dance and music. So I want to give our listeners a perspective from an outsider. I've been really fortunate that our children have been part of all of your um, organizations. My daughter, Suika, she took a few classes from Livia a long, long time ago because she was a student at uh, Mountain Laurel School in New Paltz, where you are, you are still involved there, right? Well, I'm very involved with Mountain Laurel. I'm on their board now. Just, I just joined their board this week. Okay, But great. our classes are not there because they need all the space for their classes right now. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've also been to many of your performances in theaters and also in festivals. And every time, I'm so touched by the generosity I feel from your company. It's rich, inclusive, and so open. You incorporate elements from many cultures around the world, not in a superficial way, but in an earnest and joyful way. I really appreciate that. And with Jason Takemi, my son Takemi is still involved in your, uh, with Rock Academy. He, let's see, he picked up guitar I think a year and a half ago, and now he's playing Led Zeppelin and David Bowie and all kinds, Eric Clapton. <laughs> I never thought that that would be possible. And um, the fact that kids get to play in real clubs and theaters with really high quality audio sound with professional musicians uh, taking care of all the backstage, it's really phenomenal. And Drew, of course, <laughs> Takemi. Kimi. I don't know if you remember Takemi, yeah, of but he was. Of course, I remember in, Takemi. He, <laughs> he was, was amazing. He was a hip hop he, class. Break dancer. Yep. Yeah, he was with us for a while. He was really into it. He's yeah. so good and focused. Oh my God, how is he? He's good. He's 15 yeah. years old now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like so yeah, that just shows how rich and fortunate we are in this community. I, 
you know, I don't know. I don't know what it's like outside of here, but um, just to have all three of you within the radius of like 30 miles is pretty crazy, I think. doubt that there's so much impact that art and music can have on children but do you know I mean from your own personal experience you you've all been doing this for a long time so I'm sure you've seen a lot of children come and go and a lot of children being impacted by what you're doing are there any stories you can share about any children who were especially impacted by what you offer yeah um we we uh we get about anywhere between 12 and 30 new kids uh every season or we at least we did before this nonsense of covid um but yeah and every one of them has a story and every one of them has a um a something to overcome and one example is there's a, a kid came to us who had suffered a personal tragedy and hadn't spoken a word in a year um and her mother brought her in and within it, uh, the space of a year, less than a year, uh, she had a huge, um, friend group. She was a chatty Kathy, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't make her stop talking at some point and it was great. And, um, she just became more and more prolific as she became more and more prolific on her instrument. She also became more and more prolific, uh, in her speech and in her, um, social uh, interactions. And, She's out on the road now, you know, making a, making a living. As a musician? As a musician, yeah. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah, we, had, we have similar stories. I think we all pretty much have within our own communities um, uh, where we've had someone or several children who were diagnosed with learning disabilities. And, and listen... I, I tell, or at least I try to share with the parents, even with the understanding that the professionals state that our kids have uh, disabilities, whether it's reading or, or dyslexia or, or, or behavioral problems or whatever. I said, look, sometimes if you're not living in that space with these children, and constantly pushing those diagnoses, which is which does something to the mind and to the subconscious, where the kid buys into that. If we can somehow redirect how we deal with children, so this is what happened. Um, one of my parents said, "Yeah, he can't read, he can't write, and it doesn't seem like he'll ever learn." This was one of one of our boys, and there's many of these stories. I said, "Look." do me a favor. <laughs> I just have to ask the parents to go. I said, leave him with us and you go. Like, you leave so we can work with him. We've had several of our teachers work with him and he wanted to be a rapper. He wanted to learn how he, he had poetry. At least he, how, he knew how to verbalize poetry. He said, okay, so let's write this down. Okay, let's write and then let's read. 
let's write, let's spell it out. We have dictionaries. My dad was um, a firm believer in Web Maria Webster. He said, you know, if you don't know it, you know, grab the dictionary. Here, let's start, let's start writing this down. Let's start reading it. And, and then you begin to train the mind. Forget what everybody says. Let's just, let's do it this way. And let's see how this works out. This kid is one of the best readers, one of the best writers. He's, I mean, now this is probably about 10 years ago. He, he just turned 21 today, actually. And this kid is amazing. He moved out to New Mexico. He did his thing there. He was on this whole civil rights movement where uh, certain certain clubs and and people were asking him to write something so he can you know amp amp up a crew and get them excited and 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 write some chants. But this kid is it is really amazing, and I feel that that's one thing that aren't we have we have no boundaries. We, we can care less what people say and what, you know, the professionals. And I'm going to keep doing, I'm going to keep throwing up the quotes because um, I feel that once I think art is going to change the world. That's honestly what I feel. The messaging, how um, uh, if we as as artists that know that we ourselves have overcome, uh, you know, different boundaries and adversities then our kids could do it too with the right guidance and with the right people and 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 just you know ha having hope um so those those there are many stories like that um but yeah that's that's that mm -hmm. Livia do you have any stories that well, you might want to share yeah i'd love to um just piggybacking on what Drew and Jason are saying i think that the arts defy what we call disabilities or learning differences. Everybody has a different learning style. And I know when we work a lot in the schools, um, some teachers say, well, they'll give us a, a, a rundown of the class. And oh, especially a lot of the boys are just misbehave. And they, you know, they, they have such an opinion about some of their students. Mm. And then all of a sudden, it's that boy that will be the leader of the dance. He'll be in front <laughs> showing true. everybody what to do. He'll be what we call our dance captain so that if anybody has a problem in between sessions, they can go to him. I mean, the, the self-esteem that's engendered by, by the arts and the feeling of can do is, is amazing, I think. And then the teachers, you know, who are there with us, they have a totally different feeling about these children that they thought that they knew. They show their different sides. Um, so that's what they're in school work over and over again, you see situations like this. But I, I, what's also interesting is in our after school program, as I said, we start at age four. And I have one student who um, started with us at, at age four, and she was having a lot of problems at home. Her mother actually wrote to me and asked if I would become her godmother. And um, she also couldn't afford classes. So we, we gave her a scholarship. And if, by the way, we've never turned anybody away because of money. Um, so that's that we have that open policy because we feel that it's so important. Anyway, she, she grew up with us, was in our caravan kids company when she was younger, joined our youth company also became like a grants writer with us and worked in administration with us. 
She was uh, one of the heads of our India project, where we, we continue to work with these different communities in India. She moved out to California and is doing these beautiful projects with, they're mainly based in human rights, realizing she is biracial and so, and bicultural. So she's, she's exploring that for the first time, embracing that having grown up with us and doing dancing the different cultures of the world, but now really embracing her own, who she is. And she just joined our board. <laughs> so so that's, that's the kind of progression that we have. They, they grow up with us, they leave, they come back, and there's always a place um, for them. They, they never completely leave. Well, these are the stories that I keep hearing from art educators, and especially those who do things outside of their public art teaching career. I um, recently interviewed Dan Schott of Hudson Valley Youth Jazz Orchestra and also Lara Giordano, who was a public art school teacher at Kingston High School, and now she's leading uh, Draw, uh, the arts program in Kingston. And they both shared stories just like that with students who were labeled problem kids even with learning disability. And um, Dan was saying that the school wanted to pull this kid out of the music program. One thing that he was really, he really excelled at. So Dan and his father fought really hard against it. And finally, they were able to keep him in his uh, music program. And he went on to become a really great musician and he won really prestigious award. You know, so it it's a those are really great stories, but at the same time, it kind of scares me because they were lucky. I mean, th those students were lucky to be in Rock Academy and Vanover Caravan and CCE, but for each one of them, there are tens, twenty, you know, hundreds of children who don't have that kind of opportunity. You know, and. Like I said, we're very fortunate to be in Hudson Valley where we have the embarrassment of the riches almost, but in areas, you know, where they don't have that kind of arts education, what is happening to those children? Well, it's a little bit of, uh, um, you can lead a horse to water in some instances. Uh, for instance, I uh, branched out, I tried to open a school down in Orange County and it's still the Hudson Valley. And it's only an hour away, but it's a much different culture down there. And um, we did, we ended up, you know, I think we lasted a year. Um, but it was very difficult to to get students down there because the, the interest was just, it was completely different. They were interested in sports and were not interested in the arts. And um, I got the feeling after a while that it, that it was sort of, suppressed in a way, you know, culturally, uh, it just within their neighborhoods, within their friend groups, within their uh, social networks. Uh, it's very strange. So I think, you know, in this area around Kingston and Woodstock, we're sort of an island, uh, even within the Hudson Valley, uh, because there we are, uh, there's a lot of creatives up here and, and the community is great. I lo I've always loved working with Drew and uh, seeing what he's able to do with the kids and, and it's very uh, symbiotic what we do. Um, but that's not the case just an hour south of here. And I can imagine if you 
take a magnitude of that, you know, and, and head west and south, that you're going to find um, a lot more of that. Um, so it's, it's a societal issue in some cases where, where kids are just that they're just think of the arts as things for sissies or I don't know what the word is, but they, they think of the arts as, um, not worthwhile, not as worthwhile as kicking a ball around or something like that. I'm with with you, man. A hundred percent. It's very unfortunate, but I've had the same experience in, in, in Dutchess County. We opened up for, I think, four years in a town in Dutchess County, and I felt exactly the way you felt. And I was like, you know, sometimes you have to separate. Is it me? Yeah. Like, what the, right? Yeah, yeah it starts getting, you know, get, take your ego out of it. But I'm like, <laughs> oh, come on. How could you not want this? You know, and I think it, it what happened was parents weren't interested Usually if the kid, if they're not interested, the parents are like, come on, come try it out. And we didn't get that connection, nor did we get the support uh, from the parents and or the schools in these areas. And I was, you know, I was pounding the pavement. I'm like, look, this is what we're doing. This is how it could support your kid. I did research. I'm handing out flyers. I'm doing the thing. Just like, look, this is. You don't have anything like this, but you do have sports and you, you know, you have that, but th- this doesn't exist. How could you not want this? You know? So I guess it, again, it, it was a, I guess it's a cultural thing, but at some point you're like, okay, you know, I'll go mm-hmm. back, take my little ball and go home. Yeah. Sort of thing. Oh, now, <laughs> uh, uh, a funny thing about the school in Orange County, um, the, the students that we did have, we kept. They drive an hour, sometimes twice a week, to come up here now because they loved it so much. Uh, we just couldn't make it work on a, on a larger scale down there. It is to get buy-in from parents, you know, whoever's caregiving the, the uh, students. Because if, if there's not, you know, family buy-in, the, it, the student doesn't have as good a chance of, uh, of even knowing what it could be for them, what it could mean. So home support is just so important. I know, I know that, you know, we have a, a program that's 30 years old in, in Beacon, New York, um, called the Calico Ball. And, if, and everybody who's been in third grade in Beacon has been in the Calico Ball. And we go into Beacon from mid-April to 
beginning of June and work with all the third grade classes in all four of the schools. And we've already got a reputation there. But in the beginning, it was like, what's going on here? My kids are doing dances from Italy and Germany and Brazil and, 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 you know, just they didn't know what it could be. And then when they, when we had the performance and the children were shining and so excited, then everybody started getting on board. And so now I know there have been people who've even moved to Beacon so they could be in the Calico Ball. Mm -hmm. (laughs) When I was in Beacon, they love, love, love Livia. They love you guys. They, I'm telling you, the schools look, they look forward to you. All the parents know you and know what you do with the Calico Ball. They all really look forward to it. Kudos for you for yeah. bringing that to, to the, you know, to that area. Yeah. And so some of the children from our programs that we do in schools, then they attend summer dance because they're, even if they're very far away, they carpool together and come to summer dance for repeated summers. Which is which is great because then we can we can get a more diverse group, which is a problem that we've always had because our area, New Paltz, Rosendale, High Falls, Stone Ridge is not very diverse, you know. So that it that being in the schools and kind of looking for children who would like to continue, we we that we then can provide an opportunity if they can get to us. That's always a problem. Location, you know, and being able to get to something that we're either, either all three of us are offering. Yeah, we found that as well. Um, we did a lot of outreach into a lot of different communities and we have a scholarship program. Um, so we were offering free tuition for these for students and in a lot of the cases, they just couldn't get here. They, one of the parents would really want them to do it, but their other parent really wouldn't. And they would see you know, one parent one week, the other parent the next week. And so they would be missing half of the sessions and it just, it just, we couldn't get it to work. It was very, um, we're still working at it. You know, we're still trying to figure it out, but we've, we see the same thing. Yeah. You know, I I guess I'm not really surprised to hear that um, in different areas like in Orange County, it didn't really work out that there was a big cultural difference, but that, actually makes me think that we even need to work harder to spread this kind of you know art opportunities in those areas because you know that there are kids who would be dying to do what you're doing like in to be in rock academy or to be break dancing or you know dancing in indian style and german style and all these different you know wild things that are like outside of this ballet you know that's um about the only thing that's available in most places. I don't know. I don't know what we can do about that. You know, Jason, you tried. You tried and it didn't work. Drew, you tried. I do really want to see that uh, those kind of opportunities spread out, you know, through the country, because I think that would really change the change the country, the nature of this country for the good. You, anyway, know, yeah. you know what I do feel about uh, about that? And because I've been doing this for over 30 years, it's, I feel that Jason, Livia, either, you know, even myself, I'll, I'll sneak myself in there, but <laughs> myself and somebody like my, 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 some of my kids, 
it's few and far between. Those the types of people that can engage and keep young people. There, you know, there are people that bring an energy that is undeniable. I mean, I think what was his name? Uh, the one that started Rock Academy. Paul Green. Uh, Paul Green. Paul. Paul. He. He. He's very blessed to have found Jason. Yes. Because people like him don't come a dime a dozen. People like Livia don't just fall off trees. They, they like you got to search long and hard. It's one, one in thousands that you can find someone in a community that's willing to take something like this on and see it through. It's hard to even find the right teachers, let alone someone to say, yeah, I could do this. I can do it. I mean, and then to love the kids and to teach them and to be there through thick and thin when parents <laughs> are going off on us and society is not supporting us in the way that, that we feel that they should. And and the thing about that is not as if there's no research by some of the best colleges about what art can do. I mean, the proof is in a pudding and we're still not getting a, our due, you know. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm 100% behind that. Um is put it this way um think of the greatest thinker or thinkers in history that you can think of just throw them out just name a couple uh, albert, albert einstein einstein albert, that's my guy he's my guy because of what he says about oh he's a musician he, <laughs> musician, he yeah. played in a, yeah. a he played a cello and a quartet every sunday at the university um socrates musician pythagoras musician all Goethe. of the, yeah. Yeah. All of them have been they, they played something. And part of the part of that is, is especially with music and, and dance as well. Um, you kids and uh, people think you have to be able to think in different reality streams at the same time, because you're not just following, you know, it's not just linear thought. It's not A to B to C to D. It's what's the bass player doing? What's the drummer doing? Where's the beat? You know, where's that? Where's that? melodic uh kick that the the drummer can throw something into or the dancer can can do that glorious leap into the air because of that the the swell in the music there so you're thinking in all these different levels at the same time and you're processing them all at the same time um so it's it's proven that the arts uh increase kids not only ability to learn but intelligence and uh um Ability to engage, problem solving, yeah, everything. problem solving, yeah. problem yeah. solving. It's, That's it's really huge. Oh, yeah. It's really yeah. huge. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's no doubt that all of you are great teachers, and I agree. I mean, you guys are like one in a million, and there are three of you right here in the same room. That's really amazing. <laughs> three but, in a million. Yeah, <laughs> three, three in a million. million. <laughs> three, three million. Um, <laughs> so. But, you know, this is no, you know, uh, walk in the park. It's not easy running organizations like what you're doing. And none of you are millionaires as I that I know of. No. <laughs> sure, bring you know, that up. <laughs> yeah, right. I know, Thank well, you. you know, <laughs> so this is the thing. I mean, all of you guys, I'm sure, are constantly juggling financially you know, trying to figure out what to do, you know, and just keep going. I mean, it's a, it's a miracle that you have been, you know, able to thrive like you have. And even, Jason, you've given us scholarship this whole time. And Drew, I'm your program, of course, you know, is like open to all low-income, you know, underserved community. And, you know, Livia, you can extend all kinds of scholarships. But 
even with that, it's hard to reach all the kids, even in our area. Transportation yeah. is a big problem, of Huge. course. Mm -hmm. And, you know, money is another. But also, like you said, there's the cultural thing. I have to tell you, you know, like Rock Academy, before we joined, from outside, you guys look like such cool kids and it has, you know, it's a little bit intimidating. It's like, oh, no. those are cool kids, you know. No, we're dorks. So, <laughs> now, yeah, now I know. <laughs> but so how do we, you know, overcome that barrier? I think, Drew, you know, you've done it. You know, you, you definitely. Um, but also, let me just share this um, experience that I had myself. I ran a stop motion animation studio, as you know, uh, for years. And I offered after school programs and summer camp programs through like Kingston Library and SUNY New Paltz. And when I did that through the library in Kingston, it was free. It was, uh, it, I think we received a grant from New York State. So the, the, the classes were offered for free and advertised all, obviously in the community. And as you know, Kingston Libraries right in the middle of low-income neighborhood. Yet, I didn't have any students of color. They were all white, and they're the same children, you know, the homeschool, in the homeschool circle. I was a little bit surprised, and the library director said that that's a chronic problem that they've they have they cannot reach students of color or you know minorities and even low-income students can you shine a light on that drew i don't know do mm -hmm. you, you know? yeah no yeah I, i'm dealing with it myself <laughs> so yeah i mean when you you know i think the thing about our community is um is if you've never and I've dealt with this with parents forever. If you've never had anything that was worth having, that you were asked to be part or of and invited to be part of, it then it's for them. It's for everybody but but us. A lot of things come into our community that um, it's for everybody else. And and the way that you separate uh, people, one is by charging. Um, and if that's what you're used to, then then that's already scary. Um, and or attitude, you know? Sometimes uh, I feel like that has a lot to do. That's why uh, for staff, we have a training and we do this often. I'd say every other month, we have a conversation where it's important to be extremely exclusive. Um, it, it's important, I, I don't care if you're the child of a doctor or a child of a mother who just got out of rehab that is living in the hotel. Um, they're all treated with dignity, love, and respect, period. End of conversation. And if I hear or think or, or feel that that's not what's being uh, exhibited, then you, you can't be here. And I'm very, it's, I, but the thing about this also, Kiko, is that um, this was part of, it wasn't an afterthought. This is how I walked into this. Um, knowing, coming from the projects, coming from uh, extremely low income, dealing with people that I've, I've come across and kind of looked at me like, why are you here? So sometimes you don't have to say say something, but you could just feel it. And uh, because I'm hyper sensitive on how, how this, you know, the, the lack of inclusivity 
is out there. And, you know, I, 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 know, I know the field. So I feel that we have to, when it comes to customer service, when it comes to appreciation, love, respect, and inclusivity of our community, I feel that that's why we're here. So in terms of the people that we hire, we have to hire people that represent the community in which we live. So we have Hispanic, we have um, black, we have biracial, we have white, we have uh, Asian, uh, pop we have, I, I think it's important. And if they don't exist because they don't apply for a position, I'm on a search. I search for people. I'm like, look, <laughs> come, you, you, you're gonna come here. We're, we're a good place. And, 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 I, and it's important that we're all representing not um, so we can all live um, in in a community together and understand each other's cultures, go through our ups and down, kind of in a small little ecosystem that we create. And uh, and kids know how to they 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 adapt fast. You know, if if you if you want to, and that's why I feel that's why I said uh, working with Jason when we did. It was one of the best experiences for our kids because his kids are loving and and they were accepting. There was no no you know, no, they, we call it the face, where it's like you know almost like what are they doing here? They didn't feel they didn't feel any of that, and and that was a blessing you know um, in in these in, in the community. Uh, the city of Kingston has its own culture, but we know the surrounding areas have their own culture. But how do we how do we mesh the two? And I feel that it's going to be by the leadership. We you know people will follow what we do and how we um, how we come across our interactions with each other and our kids and what we what we allow and what we don't allow. Yeah. Uh, yeah so Agreed, there's there's a, there's a line here. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Can I ask you guys a question? Do you get any support from like? Local governments, New York State. I I, I think Drew and Livia, mm -hmm. you get um, grants we from get. New York State, right? So, mm -hmm. what I'm getting at is, is there a way that the community organizations can support your or not just your um, activities of your organization, but your outreach effort, like what you just said, Drew? Can you think of anything that the community could offer? In monetarily or uh, both, both culturally? monetarily and you know, like networking or whatever way. I, um, from my perspective, I think that there's all there's always room. When uh, Livia and Jason talk about um, scholarships, sometimes scholarships is when you have a pot of money that that you put to the side we're just like we're saying scholarships but we we invite people and because we're so inclusive we're like just come we don't have the money but we <laughs> hope and pray to find the money you yeah. know i don't know about you but i know we don't have a pot like no, another hundred thousand dollars sitting on the side like this is scholarship money come and get it we yeah. don't have that money so it's all it's as if we know what we need for our community. At least, you know, I'm sure I can speak for all of you. We know what we what we can contribute to our community, uh, and it's very important that we give it. It's very important, so we do it, and we hope on the back end that collectively, um, either for profits or community members can donate and and give money and possibly take a write off or something. But it's really important that we 
continue to connect with our community and that they support us supporting their children, which supports in, you know, the community. Yeah, I think I, I'll just jump in for a second. Um, I mean, for us, when we work in the schools, usually the PTO uh, or the PTA provides some of the funding. Uh, we also have some funding from New York State Council on the Arts, uh, Arts Education Program to go into the schools that have less ability to pay us. And um, so we do that. But, I, but also we have, sometimes we have people who are, have means and they provide scholarship for a child who, who can't afford anything. So, so reaching out to people who are able to, to contribute to a scholarship fund, uh, we just, just two, about a year and a half ago, one of our board members had the idea to establish a scholarship fund in the name of a person who passed away, who loved the company and loved what we do. And she solicited, you know, a, a decent amount of money that we could provide scholarships to, to kids and actually have the money to do that. I think it's, I think we need to, I mean, I can speak for myself, have more of outreach in, in terms of development. So people know that that they can contribute to our organizations and, and, and have a tax write-off and whatever, and that that money can go toward funding children's um, education with us. Yeah. I mean, I'm wondering if there's a possibility of like setting up a community arts fund that can, you know, be that can, where money can be pooled and distributed among arts organizations like yours so that each of you don't have to do separate fundraising, fundraising and grant writing. I mean, you'd continue doing that too, but on top of that, you know, if there was like a community pool or something like that, you know, because I'm, I'm sure if people were asked this question, would you contribute, you know, say like $50 a year towards this community pool of for arts organizations, I'm sure a lot of people will say yes. You know, and I'm sure this idea has been discussed before, I'm sure. But, um, you know, that's just something that I would love to look into. Yeah, we're actually working on something like that right now, believe it or not, with Drew and Livia in mind. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> I think I just let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> but we, I'll take it. <laughs> Let me know what you need me to do. Okay, we're uh, working on it. Well, okay, Jason, you and I can talk, and maybe I can help in some ways. Oh, cool. Yeah. And certain, certainly I'd be very happy to know about it and, and um, contribute ideas and, and, and legwork. I mean, what you said before about collaboration, I, uh, we love collaborating. I mean, we've, we've collaborated with Arm of the Sea. Um, in fact, we have our holiday show coming up called Into the Light that we're going to be doing virtually for the Excellent. first time. Uh, I love God. that. I love that Into the Light. Yeah. It's, it's, look forward it's to it every year. Yeah. And all our kids do too. It's become a tradition. And now that it's virtual, we can do it with our students in India and our, our dancers in Vancouver and, and in Australia. They can all be part of it because it's going to be a virtual event. But um, what was I going to say? I just, oh yeah. And then... Um, Drew and I just started talking about collaborating on a project that that we're in in the middle of fundraising for. So that's going to be some of his students and some of our 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 students, 
and working together with a um, choreographer who's going to be virtual. That we but both we'll be work working with. together yeah. with her and then creating a piece that we're taking out to the streets. And I have a name for it, Drew. Talk to me. Moving forward. I love moving forward. Moving forward. Moving forward. I think. And we're going to take it to all awesome. the different neighborhoods. Every and it'll be available for all different neighborhoods. And after the piece gets launched, we can teach it to our other students. So we can, you know, when when COVID allows us to do other things and with more more people, we can expand it. Now it's going to be good. So I have another question for all of you, and this question is related to what we were just talking about. I don't know, um, I think all of you know that I am a strong universal basic income advocate. It's a policy that gives every citizen $1,000 or $1,200, you know, set amount of money every month, no questions asked, it's not means tested, everybody gets the same amount, it's unconditional. And I started to support this idea because because I'm an artist and I see all my friends making great, great work despite the fact that he, they're not making any money from it. And the benefits uh, that the society receives from art is enormous and yet people who create that is not really being supported. So that's why I came to support this policy. So in your opinion, would that help your endeavor yes <laughs> that's in my, what way um considering uh what we were saying before uh we are a tuition-based program um and there are people who want to be a part of it and if they had a little extra dough they would have a little extra leisure time and would be able to do the program you know they would be able to uh, find the time because they weren't struggling and working four jobs, three jobs, whatever it is, just to pay rent um, or put food on the table for the children. They, they could, it, art requires a certain amount of leisure time because it requires contemplation. It requires study. It requires things that a, a regular job does not allow you to do, you know. Um, so, yes, it would definitely help. Yeah. I agree. Said it all. Yeah. So, I yeah, Drew, do you think that your Easy. your teachers, your students, do you think they would all benefit? Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I mean, we we would we would all benefit uh, from uni what is it? Universal Universal basic income. Universal basic income. Yeah, UBI. Yeah, uh, yeah, UBI. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've done some reading on that and what I did find is uh, they do something like this in Germany. Uh, so we performed in Germany, and they 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 give. So there's there's your your, your good. I had a conversation with uh, a good friend of mine whose brother is receiving you know income on a regular basis, and she feels that he's 
you know, he's where he is, unfortunately, because he doesn't need much in life. So there's a good side and there's a bad side. Unfortunately, that that's how I have, you know, you have to look at both. I personally feel that would be stupendous for all of us. I, we can we can use a little extra. And I feel that um, if, you know, the government did provide extra for parents, like Jason said, it would give them a little more time. Uh, leisurely, they could possibly provide um, some transportation uh, some something like that, or at least contribute to the kids going to where they have to go for more enrichment and learning uh, if they had a little extra rather than uh, working, you know, the four or so, you know, more jobs. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the reasons that I support UBI is because it loops back to what you said earlier, Drew. Money is one thing, but another really important factor is the dignity because you know, right now, the welfare system, there is mm -hmm. this kind of stigma in receiving money. But universal basic income is, is universal. Everybody from Bill Gates to every homeless person gets the same amount of money. So it just kind of takes out that barrier. And I am wondering if it would like give us this kind of sense of dignity, which loops back to art. You know, art is about dignity. You can be poor. You can be uneducated. You can be struggling in school, but if you could sing, if you could make, if you could express yourself, you don't even have to be a good singer, but if mm -hmm. you are an right. honest, mm -hmm. authentic creator, that's mm -hmm. all about human dignity, right? So mm -hmm. that's why I support yeah. it. Yeah, this just has been kind of an amazing conversation. Thank you. Yeah. For bringing us all, yeah, to, thank for, you for, for bringing, bringing us, us all together, together. absolutely, yeah. and, and being patient because, um, yeah, last week running around with my grandson, Dad, Poppy, he calls me Poppy, and Poppy, I want to do this, I want to do that, so I'm like, ah. so yeah, take but care I'm of glad the family. got to yeah, take care of the first. fam, got to take family care of the fam, first. but you guys are part of that as well. You guys yeah. are the family. We're all doing good things, and but we don't have the time like this uh, to come together and. Yeah. have some conversation yeah. and so this is good oh thank you well that's exactly why i'm doing this i'll tell you one interesting thing is um the bridge music dance project oh yeah on the walkway over the hudson to uh we're we're going to be dancing to the music created by joseph bertolozzi and he created these this 10 section suite of music using the Mid-Hudson Bridge as a percussion instrument. <laughs> wow. When is this? That's great. Uh, it's scheduled for June 26th, but we, it, that's our, we already had a date scheduled of October 2nd, but we, had, we just didn't feel that it was safe because of COVID. So we rescheduled for June 26th. Oh, that's perfect. And, yeah. And then um, we'll hopefully, hopefully don't have to reschedule. So we'll see what happens. So, so what I did was I got uh, five choreographers from one side of the river and five choreographers from the other side of the river, and each of us took a section of his of his work, and we're each bringing our own dancers, creating that section, and then putting it together on the walkway. It's a collaboration. Very cool. Yeah. So this is a bridge that goes across the Hudson River, and it's a bridge just for uh, pedestrians. Just and so bikers and, yes. and bicycles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So where would the audience be? So the, the, the actual performance is going to be in the bump out. 
in the middle of the of the bridge. Okay, right. But we're also um, Jesse Brown from Hudson Valley Hutsey is going to be filming it, so it'll be available, um, you know, on on film afterwards. So the audience will be there with us as many as we can, socially distanced. That's amazing. Well, that brings to our last um, topic. I was thinking that. You know, because you know we've been so cooped up in the uh, the with COVID, but it looks like you know we're gonna have a vaccine available maybe next spring, which is you know just kind of around the corner. So people are gonna be crazy. So we need to. I mean, I'm sure you guys are like planning something big <laughs> for that those moments. But I would just love to see big collaboration, big celebration of people being out there playing music and dancing and, you know, doing all kinds of stuff. And um, hopefully you guys are okay, right? Right now, you know, you're, 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 you're going to survive this, you're going to get through this, and you're going to come out of the other end. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We're yeah. working on it. Great. Yeah, we're and working no on mat- it. No matter what, I mean, we, you know, we have had to, all of us, learn how to be patient, mm-hmm. resilient, flexible. I mean, with every turn, because the, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? They could shut everything down. Yeah, so we, that's, we just the, ha- that's, yeah. that's a big issue right there. It's a big issue right now. Yeah. I mean, right now we're in a space where... <laughs> We had to move indoors because it's so cold, but the indoors is really outdoors because we've got the doors open and the windows open and the fans going. And it's cold. We had to keep the dancers dancing. They have to dance hard (laughs) hard to stay warm. Generate their own heat. Yeah. I tell you what. Now, now is honestly the a good time to do fundraising. Yes. Like support us while you know because if we have to go to virtual. Let me tell you something. Virtual and kids, if unless you're like, you know, doing a dance video or or you're you're singing or rapping, kids don't want to be involved in virtual teaching. They no. they don't like it. They really don't like it. So, if if we were to get some support, it would be during this time and to keep us going, keep Definitely. our buildings and our, you know, uh, utilities and all that stuff, yeah. yeah so definitely. <laughs> now is the time. Now <laughs> Once, is the time. Yeah. And now is the time. Giving Tuesday is coming up. Oh yeah, you know I'm already ready for that. Just send out an email. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. It's been a pleasure, and uh, maybe we'll do part two sometime. Absolutely. You know, maybe yes. after the COVID. All right. Thank you, Kiko. Yeah. Thank Good. you, Kiko. Thank okay. you, Kiko. All right. Thank you, Olivia. Thank you. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Jason. Thank you, Thank you, guys. Yeah. Okay. Good talking Peace to you. and love, yeah. Thank you for listening to today's episode. For more information on Rock Academy, visit rockacademy.com. Livia's organization can be found at vanavercaravan.org. That is V-A-N-A-V-E-R caravan. Drew's organization is Center for Creative Education, cce4me.org, with four as in the number four. Intrinsic is a production of Forge Collective, an alliance of creators for radical honesty. Many thanks to John Notar for contributing original music. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and consider making a tax-deductible donation at forgeartcollective.org. Thank you for listening. 
and tune back in in two weeks. <laughs>